Thanks for joining us for another full-length message from Matt Spinks and the Firehouse Projects. Our heart is for all who hear to be overjoyed at the experience of their permanent union with God and Jesus Christ. We bless you in His bliss. If this message blesses you, please consider sharing it and or donating at thefirehouseprojects.com where you can find more free resources, upcoming event info, and links to monthly partnership or one-time giving toward Matt and Katie's ministry. Thanks again and enjoy the good news. Welcome guys to another one of our Restolution Reformation chats. We are going live on Facebook. This will be on our podcast and uh, live on YouTube and recorded on YouTube later. And we are on Zoom as well tonight. So lots of different ways to connect to these Restolution chats. Just been excited to uh, excited to do some revelating together. And uh, I'm just excited that we are a part of a worldwide reformation of just waking up to reality, um, waking up to Jesus Christ, Jesus himself, ah, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, wow, I just have a big drink of the awareness of our inclusion in the Trinity, our acceptance in Christ. Ah, (laughs) it's still good. As uh, one of our good friends, Michael Moore, will often say, you think you know the gospel? (laughs) Jesus, open our eyes to your gospel again tonight. Open our ears, open our hearts. Let us see. Let us taste. Let us drink deep. To the goodness, to the goodness. And uh, let your words just wash over us, brainwash us, Jesus to your perspective, true repentance, seeing what you see, knowing what you know. Ah, Thank you, Lord. Yeah, so we see some people hopping on here. Um, We get some people live in the chats and different forums, and we uh, appreciate you guys hopping on on Facebook. Um, Tonight, we're going to talk about the finished work of Jesus Christ once again. So... uh, Hope you haven't tired of hearing of his finished work Um, and just have a a little bit of a chat around it. Um, But before we start, I do want to let you guys know we have stuff coming up. We are um, still doing events here in 2022, live and in person and online. Every night at 10 p.m. Eastern time, we do a prayer party. Um, These have been super fun. want to invite you to check out prayerparties.org for more info on those, um, or to just hop in. But the links are at prayerparties.org. You can find to watch on YouTube or to participate with us on Zoom. And they've been super drunk and just juicy. And, um, you know, prayer is fun. And that's, you know, one of the things we've been letting the body of Christ know and just enjoying together kind of as a sign and a wonder is that uh, prayer is fun. It's actually the most relaxing. It's what we were made for right? To live in continually, as Paul said, um, to pray continually. And so if prayer isn't enjoyable, man, it's going to be really difficult to pray continually. I'll tell you that. And so we've been exploring that together, just having some fun at the end of each night um, or depending on which time zone you're in, but go to prayerparties.org, check that out. We also have upcoming events. We are going to be in Florida for spring break, doing street outreach to the spring breakers and just vacationing and reveling in this gospel together, getting all whacked in the glory, seeing signs and wonders and miracles. How many of you are ready for more signs and wonders in your life? Um, Supernatural uh, financial miracles, Um, just to walk in the shing, ding, ding, everything that Jesus died for, health, wealth, uh, salvation, humility, love. This is all the free gift that we're declaring. And, uh, in Florida, we're going to be together with uh, Dr. Eric Wilding, Cole Harmon, myself. Um, you can go to our website, thefirehouseprojects.com for more details, or you can message me on any of the social media platforms or find our details on Facebook. But we're calling it the Spring Break Restolution. 
Um, we're going to see, we, we got guys coming together that have seen crazy stuff. Um, I, I've seen blind eyes open. We've seen, you know, legs grow out. We've seen cancers drop off. You know, we're, we're going to be together with friends that see this kind of radical stuff. And if you want to get empowered in that and go out in the streets and just share the good news with us, it's going to be fun. So come out, Tampa, Florida area, Tampa and Sarasota, first week of April, 2022. Um, we're also going to be in back in, uh, in Burgaw, North Carolina again uh, in May. So if you're, uh, you know, anywhere near North Carolina, consider that. And we'll have all kinds of fun stuff about the summer and the rest of the year coming out. I want to hop into this teaching tonight. So I only got 45 minutes. I hope you're ready. If you've got a Bible tonight, if you uh, have some time, if whatever you're listening to this recording, just find a comfy spot and let's revelate together in the spirit regarding the enormity of Christ and his finished work, which has really become my life message and uh, what I'm so excited about. We are some of the, the out there radical preachers of hyper grace um, the radical finished work, you know, some people say it because there's a lot of people that will tip their hat to the finished work. Um, but, you know, a lot of times we're kind of afraid to let it go too far to get too deep into it. Um, we're concerned, you know, we, shouldn't we mix a little bit of law in there? Shouldn't we mix a little bit of human efforts? But, well, yeah, let's dive in. I, I will say again, these chats have been called Reformation and Restolution chats because I've really had on my heart to remind us that we are a part of a worldwide reformation. There's an awakening going on right now, um, which is so encouraging. Like, this is something that Holy Spirit is doing. And uh, this is why you feel the energy and the life on it. You're going to feel supernatural shingling around the topics that we talk about during these sessions. Like, something's brewing, you know. And, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, some of this stuff was far lesser known. You didn't hear about the finished work as much. You didn't hear about the new creation realities. Um, the last couple of weeks, we were talking about some of the, um, we, were, we were discussing specifically uh, Dr. C. Baxter Kruger's message in, which you can find on YouTube. Just look up Dr. C. Baxter Kruger in. We were discussing that and some of the transformational realities that he's been presenting and uh, I just want to dovetail off of that because last week, one of the things we brought up um, that, that Dr. Kruger had brought up in his video was that this gospel is something that's already done, that Je we don't make Jesus Lord, but Jesus is Lord, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we know it or not. We don't bring the kingdom. The kingdom is already at hand. Jesus already established his kingdom. And so many of our church programs, this is something Baxter was going into, so many of our, you know, the, the, just the, the, the circus of church, the, the program of church, the, the, the heavy organization and, and almost over, I don't, over scheduling and over organization of church that turns into this just difficult, lifeless, you know, thing is because we've been trying so hard to establish something that's already established that we've been either trying to earn God's love, trying to bring the kingdom, trying to you know do 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 when the message is done 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 when our our abba Jesus and Holy Spirit have loved us so much that they didn't leave it up to us, they didn't put it on our shoulders to earn their approval or to establish the kingdom, but in Christ, they release something once and for all to the cosmos that is firmly and unshakably established. As we talked about from Hebrews 12 last week. Thank you, Lord. It's established. It is done. And uh, so, you know, there's this phrase that's been appearing more and more often. In fact, it's really the phrase itself is probably less than 100 years old um, or maybe just around. Well, actually, it's 2022 now. So it's it, it kind of originated late 18. Hundreds, early 1900s, this phrase, the finished work. Um, I'm actually writing a book on it and, and excited to see, you know, and I go into the history in that book a little bit, and I'm excited to see people waking up to, you know, the phrase is kind of new, but the, the concept is timeless. The concept is the gospel over 2,000 years old. And uh, so I want to revelate a little bit more on the finished work tonight. 
And uh, most of you wouldn't have found these recordings if you weren't already into it. You know, you already probably listened to our podcast for years. Um, but yeah, I just want to provoke us again. These are, this is one of the central things of this Reformation, of this worldwide awakening that Holy Spirit's doing. You're going to hear more about it. Um, and I want to encourage you just, you know, when there's still opposition to these things. But to to dive in and to know this is where the life is, guys. The life of the party is the gospel. The life of the party is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so it's worth going over and hearing again and again um, that you might be, you know, able to participate fully in this awakening and uh, and not get sucked back into whatever it is, you know, in the world or in religion. Um, but staying absolutely gloriously free and uh, on the forefront of a wave of the Spirit, whoosh, surfing with the Lord. <laughs> Thank you for the surfers out there. Thank you for the surfers out there tonight, Lord. <laughs> yeah, we're surfing his finished work. Um, so, you know, I, I for those of you that are already kind of into it and heard this stuff, Maybe just remember tonight or, or think about what is it that you love about the finished work? What are a few things? And, you know, if you're following on online, feel free to type in the comments or give us a little feedback. What is it that you love about the finished work? What is it done in your life? What is this message done in your life? I think it's worth considering, worth remembering. Um, and then after, I want to mention a couple of those, but then it's also, you know, worth considering what what could be some of the dangers in believing this finished work so i'm going to talk about these two things tonight like what are the glories of the finished work and what could be the dangers of it because man i get messages or people in person or just wherever all the time that are like i don't know about this thing you know um we get opposition we get people really upset you know there's so in some places there's entire books written against it you know and why? It, I think it's worth giving people a listen. I try to be empathetic, place myself in other people's shoes and and consider um, all perspectives. Um, but yeah, firstly, you know, what? why do I love the finished work? I'll just put it out there. I'll, I'll just say, uh, to me, it's, it's brought absolute liberation in joy. Joy, knowing that I'm always loved, regardless of my performance. I'm always loved. And that I'm always secure in salvation, um, in in wholeness and health and life. All the big stuff is secure. It doesn't depend on me. And so knowing that I'm always loved and that I'm always secured in the most important things in reality, I mean, that's huge for my heart. It, it, it changes the way I do life. It changes the way I see others. It changes um, oh, just everything, really. You know, I'm able to see others as complete, those near me. I'm not seeing them as flawed and broken anymore. That's a big deal. Uh, I encounter people in the world and I assume because of Jesus and what he's already done, that they're not evil, that they're not dark, that they are not flawed. But I just look, you know, sometimes they don't know it. So they're still acting that way, but I'm able to look deeper and relate to them on a deeper level. So those are some of the things I love, you know, the the joy that uh, of unconditional love, which is massive. Um, knowing that the big stuff doesn't depend on me, uh, and being able to relate to to others as complete and whole, even when they don't know that about themselves. Um, yeah, shaka laka laka. What do you love about the finished work? What what is this message done for you? And if this is some of the first times you heard it, um, well enjoy you're in for a ride you're in for a treat um give us give it heed because i i just want to say that i this is the eternal word of god and it's done so much the word does the work it's done so much in my life you know <laughs> i see one brother typing in saying i stopped feeling guilty for past sins those that held a weight on me for so long not only past sins but even present and future sins i'm loved no matter what absolutely man Knowing that we're forgiven 100%, always, always, always is huge. And and how many of us have not been able to let ourselves go for big things um, or even for little things? You know, this finished work is absolutely secure. Hallelujah. Oh, good stuff, bro. And I'll say, you know, one of the, one of the, 
the turning points that the church is waking up to in this finished work is that abs- we're absolutely forgiven. We're also absolutely made whole so that we never have to sin again too. But we have one who always uh, is on our side, even if we do screw up. It's so good. So good. Um, yeah, feel free to keep typing in stuff if anybody has it. But I also want to give a chance to, you know, to those that have said uh, that this message is dangerous, you know, that, oh, if you if you start telling everybody their whole complete, that the world is already saved. You know, when you go to our website, thefirehouseprojects.com, the very first thing you see is that uh, it says, good news, the world is already saved. <laughs> and that is so offensive to so many people, you know. Um, even though doesn't the entire scripture testify to the pa- the fact that Jesus saved the world? <laughs> and yeah, that's one of the most offensive things. But I, I put it right there because it's the most transformative reality. Um, Jesus is not only potentially Savior and Lord, but actual Savior and Lord. Oh. But this scares the people. Um, and so I, I I put in my notes, which I'll, I'll post these notes um, in the YouTube uh, description and also in the Facebook comments after the video is done. But um, I put in the notes here, said, what could be some dangers in believing the message of the finished work? Um, and I'd say, honestly, to me, the only real danger is misunderstanding it. Um, at first, it does, it, it's it's a mind-blowing thing. And, and most people don't get a good grip on it yet. And that's why we continue to, to share from the scriptures we continue to look to theologians that have studied it out. Uh, John Crowder, C. Baxter Kruger, the Torrances. Um, that's why I love to get into this stuff because there is a danger in misunderstanding it in a way. And I'd say, you know, the main misunderstanding, and I'll actually point out two. There's two misunderstandings that I think some people do fall into. And this is people's fear when they first hear the message as well. And there are some that actually do, you know, just like Paul said in Romans 6, shall we sin that grace may increase, you know, and obviously Paul was facing some of these same misunderstandings in his day. There are some people that fall into that. They think that, you know, well, they they could possibly use a misunderstanding of the message to think that it means that we don't need to live healthy, loving lives. That's what people are afraid of when they hear, oh man, you're saying it's all done. The world is already saved. If we don't put some of this back onto them, people are going to get fat and lazy and start, you know, just sinning everywhere, Um, which that's, it's never produced that in my life. But I think that's a shallow understanding almost in the way, and I'll I'll point it out like this, um, the prodigal son uh, parable, right? The prodigal son was raised in the household of the father. And if we take this as a picture of Father God, you know, uh, the prodigal son was raised in God's house, the most gracious, loving being. And yet, um, when the prodigal son had a shallow understanding of his father's heart, he wanted to take that inheritance and go wasted and live in the world. There are some that hear this message and they, they hear this message of grace. And initially they do think, wow, the fear is lifted. I'm not afraid of my father. He's so kind. He's so good. He's going to give me everything. And that's what the father did. And they, just like the prodigal son, they go and waste it. And they, in you know, was it, what does the Bible say? Like wild living or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, in, in sinful lifestyles and destructive patterns. And I think there is that potential at first when you hear this message, because what was holding most people back was fear. Um, and when this perfect love casts out all fear, initially people can go buck wild for a minute, but that's a shallow understanding. And eventually the prodigal son's father, the the father, the scandalous father wins out in the day because the son realizes there's nothing better than the father's house. So he moves from fear motivation into love. And so that's a massive revelation, to be honest. Um, And there are some that are still kind of on that journey of awakening that at first misuse the grace of God. But but Paul says uh, in Romans 6 that this should never be, you know, it's never, it, this is not God's heart. And I think it's a, just a shallow understanding. It's a misunderstanding of the finished work if that's what it's producing in your life. Um, the grace of God teaches us to say no to unrighteousness as Titus 2 says. But 
Um, another misunderstanding that some say, that some might come to think is when we say it is finished, some people may feel like now our practical lives don't have any meaning. Um, they'll, they, I've seen a few at least be afraid of this and some enter into this where they're like, well, it's finished, man. So now it doesn't matter what I do. I mean, Jesus did everything important. So what's the point of my life? Um, and again, that's a misunderstanding, right? Because what this, what this gospel does is it, it doesn't give your life salvific meaning. Now I know that's, that's, we, you know, as humans, we want to put ourselves right at the center of everything. When we put ourselves at the center of salvation, uh, things go wrong. And so our life is not about salvific meaning. And, but you see people kind of want that sometimes, you know, they, they either want to just, I don't know, you know, they want all of the world to hinge upon us. Even sometimes in our suffering, we make our sufferings salvific and we try to say, well, I've gone through all this hard stuff and this is producing great things in me or great things in others. Or we, we say that all the stuff that I'm doing in my life is what's going to really change the world. Now, there is an element of truth to that, but not salvifically. It, what I mean is the world is going to, the world is fell upon his shoulders, right? We said Jesus saved the world. He's the savior of the world. And it all depends on him, whether you, you know, whatever you do or not do, uh, the world is in God's hands. You can't pluck somebody else from God's hands. You can't thwart anyone's destiny. Ultimately, um, the world's not going to crash and burn based on what you do. Now, your personal experience of life may crash and burn, but the cosmos is going to be okay because it's in Jesus's hands. Now, that doesn't mean that our practical lives don't have any meaning. No, in fact, all it means is that all the big stuff is taken care of. So we're set free now to create, to participate with God, to enjoy union, to, to play on the playground, to enjoy relationships, to, to adventure, to explore. Uh, but we're just not doing all those things in order to save the world. We may be declaring the gospel of the world, which has a subjective salvific effect, um, but it again, it doesn't ultimately depend on us. It's a misunderstanding that people are afraid of thinking that our practical lives won't have any meaning. You know, if the whole world isn't going to hell, what's the point of my life? <laughs> to enjoy it, to enjoy, to celebrate, to, to live, to have healthy relationships, to live in happiness and health. You know, so it's just funny um, that this reformation is really, you know, transforming the mind of the church. And so many of us have thought, that our practical lives wouldn't have meaning if salvation doesn't depend on us. Kind of hilarious concept after a while when you really get into it. Okay, we're going to dive deeper into the finished work. We're going to get into some scriptures here. I got about 30 minutes left. Shaka laka ding dong. Have another drink. We don't have to save the world. We're here to enjoy, 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 enjoy. Be free. I want to read you something that um, David Torrance, who is one of the younger of the Torrance brothers. You may know um, Thomas F. Torrance. You heard of J.B. Well, this is um, a, a quote from David, and, and I like this, and this will kind of intro us into some other stuff. If you're still not sure about the finished work, or you want to get some deeper revy, hang with me tonight. But we're going to start here with this David Torrance quote. Shakalaka, Holy Spirit. He says, Many years ago, when Billy Graham carried out an all-Scotland crusade in Edinburgh in 1955, some 2,000 people went forward in his crusade in the Edinburgh district, and I was heavily, heavily involved in the follow-up, David says. We had classes for them for 12 weeks. We took away 800 or 900 people in three residential conferences. I became involved in conversion with a man who was an office-bearing elder in the church, a fine man. He says, I've done everything that Billy Graham had asked. I came forward. I repented. I prayed. I asked Christ into my life. He said, I never seem to have got there. And as I listened to him, David says, uh, you know what you've got to learn? Nothing at all. He was startled. I said, you've got to learn to do absolutely nothing because when Christ said on the cross, it is finished, he's done everything for your salvation and there's nothing left for you to do except to say thank you and to go on saying thank you. Your thanksgiving is your acceptance. 
I still see that man in my mind's eyes. It broke home to him. You could see his face relax and he laughed. The whole burden had departed. He was set free to live, to share the gospel with other people. One of the disasters of the Christian church today, and I love the church. I grew up in it. I'm still reading from this David Torrance quote. I love the church. I grew up in it. It is that we tend to say God has done his part in Jesus Christ. Christ has come. He's died. He's redeemed. Now it's over to us. We call on people to do their part. We say, come, repent, believe, pray, worship, read the Bible. But we're throwing the responsibility back on the people so that their salvation, to put it crudely, we're saying that salvation is partly what God does and partly what you do. That is wrong. It is entirely of God. <laughs> it's from this David Torrance interview with uh, Michael Morrison. Um, you can look up David Torrance interview with Michael Morrison on Google and you can find the article. Or It's actually from a video recording, but it's so drunk. You know, he says to the guy, he's like, I told, I did everything that Billy Graham said to do. What, do, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> you know, and he says, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> uh, and and off, so often, guys, this is, you know, we, we put it in different language. You know, we'll say, well, it, whatever, you know, it, you, it's up to you to submit. It's up to you to believe. It's up to you to yield. It's up to you to repent. It's up, and whatever language we use, we end up saying, God did this much for us. Now we have to do this part. And a lot of guys will say, well, God did most of it. God did the big stuff. But in the end, when it comes back down to uh, some element of it relies on us, uh, then that's not Jesus as our Savior. That's Jesus as a partial Savior. And the liberty comes, the liberty, and as David Torrance says, is when we realize it's entirely of God. It is entirely of God. <laughs> Are you saying everybody's saved? Not only is everybody saved, but everybody's safe inside of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll talk more about that, but um, let, let me just, I'm going to go through the notes here and uh, you won't have them live, but I'll post the notes later. But um, if you're watching the recording or listening, but it says, I said, what is the fullness of the finished work of Christ? And uh, I like to say it this way. It's the objective reality of what's already done. Like we were discussing in last week's chat um, with Baxter, it's, it's we're not uh, trying to build this incredible kingdom we're waking up to the fact that we're already in it. I'll say that again. We are not trying to build an incredible kingdom of God, a kingdom of heaven. We're waking up to the fact that we're already in it, that it's already fully here at hand. Um, we talked about this in the first couple of weeks of the Restolution Chats, but Jesus never preached the kingdom now and not yet, or now but not yet. Jesus simply preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look up Matthew 4, 17, Mark 1, 15. Look at the preaching of Jesus. It says, Jesus preached the gospel of God. The kingdom is already fully, fully here. Now, that there's still awesome things to come. I believe that every, every eye will see him you know, in the future. I believe in the resurrection of the dead, the return of Jesus Christ. Um, but all of the, all the goodies are already here. Uh, so we're waking up to that fact. And when we wake up to that, we'll live that way. When you wake up to the fact that you've already been made holy, you live from that place. You, you begin to live holy. If you believe you're a sinner, you're going to sin. If you believe you're holy, if you know that holiness, you're going to manifest holiness. Uh, the same with every other area. Even That's how healing works, supernatural healing. That's how... Uh, you know, transformation in your family, that knowing that it's already in Christ, we begin to live the life of our design. We begin to manifest it. And uh, I'll move to number four in the notes. This is something that's really helped a lot of people. It's it's knowing that they're, you know, say in a courtroom, in every courtroom, there's a, a uh, they're trying to get to the objective truth. So therefore they bring in lots of witnesses' testimony to testify to their subjective experience of what happened in an event, right? So let's say reality is is on trial right now. What do we, what do we want to know about reality? We want to know what's really really real about reality. 
Um, so we listen to different people's subjective experiences, but everybody's subjective experience, just like in a courtroom, might be missing something. They might have something off. They might, and in some cases, it might be very off. Maybe their experience wasn't even close to what actually happened. Um, you know, and this is how is how all of humanity is kind of looking at things. And yet Jesus appears on the scene to declare to us objective reality. See, we thought the world was this certain way. We thought God was distant. We thought God was angry. Uh, we thought our, our, you know, the world was all, you know, destroyed, going to hell in a handbasket. We thought our identity was broken, dirty sinners. And now because of the nature of, of humanity and, and our, our power that God had given to us, we did cause a fall. We did cause things to break down there. That sickness came into the world and all of this stuff. But Jesus Christ is the word. Jesus Christ comes to again, reveal what God's original reality was all about. Um, life, health, evil free, sin free. This is Jesus, right? Stepping into the world and declaring the kingdom of heaven is at hand now because I'm here. And in the incarnation, he established that kingdom. In his death and resurrection, his death removed the old, his resurrection birthed the new. All of a sudden, there's this whole new world. So when we declare the gospel, we're not starting this whole new world. Jesus already did that. We're declaring the objective reality that people can wake up out of their subjective lies, deceptions, and illusions into what really is true about reality. Um, one way I, the Lord showed me some years ago is it's kind of like an overlay. You know, have you ever seen those picture books where there's like a picture and then there's another page that lays over top like an overlay? We only see a certain portion, but Jesus Christ came to, to reveal the the ultimate reality that's overlaid. And so sometimes you're like, well, I don't see everyone saved, uh, healed. I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel set free. Jesus reveals to us that overlay of what is true about the nature of reality. We begin to wake up to, oh my goodness, I'm not trying to get healed. I'm not trying to get sin free by my efforts. Waking up to what's in Jesus Christ, seeing that full picture, that full picture of the overlay even though a portion of it is invisible. And that's why it requires faith at first. We declare the gospel, faith is birthed. All of a sudden we experience that new world out of the invisible manifests this finished work in our experience. Now that, if that's your first time hearing this message, shing, ding, ding, it may seem pretty wild and crazy. It's totally different than most Christians feel like we're on this linear timeline of when someday all the good things are gonna happen. Um, but we're declaring they're all already here. They just may be invisible. The, in Christ world is, it's already here. I mean, go, we go over that and we're going to look at some scriptures, but all, you know, the most common phrase repeated in the New Testament is in him, in him, in him. Um, because the, the, the apostles were declaring us to us in their writings, the truth of what is in him. The in Christ world, what we have in him, we, ha we have righteousness, sanctification, wisdom, you know, and uh, healing life, whatever. All the goodies, all the goodies are already in him. But that's just invisible. And we're, we're declaring that objective work. That's the finished work. All right, let's look at some scriptures. Told you we'd get to some. Uh, shaka laka laka. These are verses you're going to hear more and more in this worldwide awakening that are just you know, worth, I, I mean, spend ages, spend, spend weeks studying some of these. I already mentioned Romans six, you know, um, all the in him passages like Ephesians one, Colossians one. Um, but I want to read a couple Colossians two, verse 10. You're going to hear this more and more. Thank you, Jesus. We honor your words, Lord. We honor your word, Jesus, you, the living word speaking to us. Colossians two ten. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. Another translation says, 
having been made full. In fact, let me look at some other translations. I got my eSword here. If you don't have the eSword program, it's an awesome free Bible study tool worth checking out. But it, And you can compare all these different translations. Colossians 2.10. I'm just going to read the one I read again in the KJV. You are complete in him. Shaka-laka-laka-laka-laka. The Amplified says, You are in him, made full, having come to fullness of life in Christ. You too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. Woo! <laughs> I want to read it again. Colossians 2.10 in the Amplified. You are in him made full, having come to fullness of life in Christ. You too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and reach full spiritual stature. Ooh. Uh, the, the Good News Bible says, You have been given full life in union with him. Whoa. You have been given full life in union with him. The Moffat says, it is in him that you reach your full life. Um, The mirror Bible says, he mirrors our completeness and is the ultimate authority of our true identity. He is, I am in us. Your own completeness is only realized in him. The Phillips translation. He mirrors our completeness and is the ultimate authority of our true identity. That's the objective reality that we're talking about. Our true identity mirrored in Christ. He is, I am, in us. Your own completeness is only realized in him. Ah, those are just some good ones, man. Colossians 2.10, so juicy. Worth taking time to really meditate. These are foundational finished work scriptures. Here's another one. Colossians 3 verses 2 to 4. Set your mind on things that are above. That's the objective reality here, guys. Set your mind on things that are above, which doesn't mean far away, all right? Somewhere far off in the sky, okay? Heaven isn't some planet in the sky. It means the greater things. You're setting your mind on the greater things. What's the lower thing? Oh, that I've messed up. Um, The world seems sick, broken. Those are the lower things. But what are we to set our mind on? The true, the truest truth, right? Some say facts versus truth. You know, I say subjective reality, objective reality. Some would say the ontological reality of what's in Christ. Okay. Setting your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, past tense. You've already died. You've already died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Now, this is why we declare the gospel, because it hasn't yet appeared to everyone, right? It hasn't yet appeared to everyone that it is finished, that we are whole, that we are complete, that we are uh, having come to the fullness of life filled with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It hasn't yet appeared, but it's already true. So we set our mind on it. That's a classic finished work passage, Colossians 3, verse 2 to 4. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, so it is no longer I who live. This is what's done, right? It's the old ego is gone. This is actually, to me, probably the greatest thing of all, the removal of ego. (laughs) You don't have an ego. Your ego is gone. Now, you may have associated with that, therefore you acted like that. But the truth is, there is no flaw in you. There is no selfish, sinful, ego man alive in you. You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you and the life you now live in the flesh. You live by the faith of the Son of God or the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Oh, thank you, Lord. This is good, meaty theology, guys. Galatians 2.20. Sink your teeth in the meat. (sighs) Take a bite of the feast. If you're associating with your old you, that is just a lie. That may be your subjective reality, but it's time to wake up. You no longer live. Christ lives in you. Now, there is a life that you live, 
but it's independence uh, upon him without a selfish ego. Thank you, Jesus. Another beautiful finished work passage. This is one of my favorites. Hebrews 10, 14 to 16. This is massive, guys. Hebrews 10, 14 to 16. By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified or they, those who are made holy. I like uh, the NASB better because it's so funny how some of these translations just couldn't handle it. This, the, their brain's getting fried. Let me read it out of the NASB. <laughs> or actually, there's a whole bunch of them that say it this way, but there are some that don't seem to say it that way. Let's see. NASB. Uh, oh, Hebrews 10, 14. By a single offering, he is perfected for all time. There we go. NASB, by one offering, he is perfected for all time, those who are sanctified. By one offering, whether it's Jesus' death on the cross, he is perfected for all time, those who are sanctified. Who's that? That's you. You're perfected for all time. You're, you're not on your way to becoming perfect someday. But Hebrews 10, 14, in the best translations, says uh, he is perfected for all time, those who are sanctified. Now, the reason why there's some confusion in the translation is because uh, that that sanctified thing is it a, a uh, it's a present and continuous because you're sanctified now and you will continue to be holy forevermore. It's not that there's always a process going on of becoming more and more holy. In fact, a process of becoming holy is a uh, what do they call it? Uh, well, it's an impossibility anyway. <laughs> it's it's like a oxymoron. There's a term. You can't become more holy. Holiness is either 100% or 0%. It means to be completely set apart. So it's just like saying I'm I'm on I'm partially perfect. Well, that's not possible. The word perfect means 100%, right? So you've been perfected for all time. Shaka laka ding dong. Study it out. And then it says the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying this is the covenant I will make with them after those days declares the Lord putting my laws on their hearts and writing them on their minds. This is that interior holiness. It's not an external law we're trying to abide by. We have it inside of us. You love righteousness now because of what Jesus did once and for all. A holy person wants to do holiness and it's natural for them. They don't need an external thing of telling them, be holy, be holy, be holy. Now you, you want to be holy. You have holy desires. You're a new creation. Shaka. Now, some think this only applies to maybe uh, our soul, right? Although very few have yet to believe in full soul salvation. <laughs> First Peter talks about you've received salvation of your the salvation of your soul, which is a big deal. But First Peter two verse twenty four to twenty five says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we would die to sin live to righteousness, and by his wounds you have been healed. By his wounds you have been healed. In some translations, you were healed. Romans 8, there's so many other passages. You know, Romans 8 says, uh, those whom he uh, called, he sanctified. Those whom he sanctified, he glorified. All past tense words. They end in ED. Re read them in Romans 8. They're, they're something that already happened once and for all. These, to me, are some of the most foundational finished works passages. Um, if, what are some of your favorites? Are there some that are coming to mind for you? Uh, I love it. It's all over. You, you begin to see it all over the epistles. And for those of you that are still you know, studying this message, getting more confident in the message, I encourage you to spend time in the beginning of each epistle, especially Paul's epistles. You spend time in the beginning of these epistles and Paul makes her out of the gate. He always starts with the most important thing, which is the gospel. You read the beginning of these epistles, you will get solid in the gospel. Um, if you're just always stuck in the Old Testament, you're always reading the book of Revelation or whatever, there's, it's worth spending time in there. But the foundation of the Christian life comes from the epistles and specifically the first few chapters of each epistle of Paul. He's the apostle to the Gentiles, and he always made sure to, uh, to make this in him message, this, this finished work 
message the foundation every time. And then he would talk about stuff in the later chapters, maybe practical church issues, things to deal with, but he always made sure they remembered what is that juicy gospel that produces joy, that produces the life that is the source of it all. It's the in him message, the objective reality of the finished work of Christ, what's already done. In him, you have redemption, you have forgiveness, you have wholeness, you have wisdom, you have sanctification, you have righteousness, you have healing, you have prosperity. He would lay those out in the beginning chapters. And this is what's happening in this Reformation. Thank God. Shing, ding, 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 ding. We are coming back to that original gospel of Paul, that original message that liberated the church and set the world on fire, that the pressure's off, you know. And actually, I'll just kind of close with this in the last few words of this session today. But what does this message say about God? And what does this message say about us? These are important realities. You know, I don't, I couldn't care less about us talking about endless theology, blah, blah, blah. But what does it say about God? What does it say about us? The things that we are telling the world, you know, are we giving them a picture of a healthy, uh, whole God? Are we giving them a, a empowerment to a healthy and whole life in our in our in our life? Well, again, coming back to why I love this finished work, it 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 reveals a God that is unconditional love. Um, if if a if our God requires all these things of us before he can bless us. If our God requires all these things of us before we can have a happy, successful, you know, whole life in relationship with him, you know, then that's not, that's not unconditional love. That's, you know, that's if then statements. That's not true agape. It's not true love. Only the finished work, guys, I'm convinced. I've, I've heard the other stuff. Only the finished work preaches a God of unconditional love. And you'll even hear it in some, the old circles. I believe what's what conditional love is fading out of the church, but you hear it still many times. And I, you, sometimes I've even heard preachers say, well, God loves everyone unconditionally. Well, the elect, you know, or those that are in Christ, he loves. That's just ridiculous to me. That, that paints a, not a kind God. Maybe kind to some, but not kind to all. That's not my Jesus. That's not my Abba. This finished work declares that everybody, once and for all, in Jesus Christ's body, uh, were included in love, were included. Um, in fact, they were included before Jesus even came. But Jesus uh, establishes that, displays that once and for all. I'll say it that way. He displays it. The incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus um, affected it and displayed it. But God's always loved everyone. Always. That's what this finished work really, when you get down to it, declares. It also declares a God that did a good job in salvation. This is another thing, right? Like, what kind of salvation are we are we proclaiming? If you know, honestly, I feel like the old school Christian believes that ninety percent of the people are going to end up in hell. Well, it's not a very effective savior, is it? If Jesus didn't include everyone and actually finish the job for everyone, he's not a very good savior. And last time I read, uh, he brought all 100 sheep, you know, home. He wasn't content even with just 99, but he went even for the one and brought back all 100 into the fold. Shing, ding, ding. Thank you, Lord. Um, but yeah, it, it, it also is complete here in time. You know, if uh, a lot of people have just believed that we're just forgiven, well, that leaves out a lot of stuff. If we're only forgiven and we're not made whole, we're not healed, we're not called to prosper, we're not brought to unity. Um, we're not brought to union with God. I mean, then that's a very partial salvation. Then maybe Jesus only did like one of like 10 different things that we needed. <laughs> but Jesus is an extremely effective savior. This is stuff I'm going over in the, my next book and just a shameless plug. It really is shameless because I'm excited to release it to the world. But um, I'm talking about like, what, what do these things say about God? And what do these things say about us? And uh Jesus did a really good job in salvation. So he's unconditionally loving. He's also extremely powerful and effective. We have a powerful God. We have a loving God. And we have an effective God who's no one gets out of his grasp. And he doesn't leave anyone cowering in the corner for decades in, in uh, abandoned to darkness and decay. We have a very, such a good God, such a good God. And I'll just say my last point here is what does this say about us too? 
We are whole and complete and powerful. We are lacking nothing. This finished work is the most empowering message in the world, not just in what we can do, but in who we actually are now. We are light in the Lord. We have been transferred out of the dominion of darkness and we are fully in the beloved kingdom of his son. We're in the beloved. In fact, John 14, 20 says, we are in him and he is in us. Uh, We are God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2, 10 says. And whoa, his masterpiece is pretty dang perfect, pretty dang powerful. Now, yeah, I don't have time to go into all the details of this. This is what I love to preach all the time. I I pray right now that you would become a preacher of this. That you know, you're like, wow, there's some things that Matt left out. Go for it, proclaim it to the world. Let's go together. Let's revel together and release the fullness of this goodness. We are only scratching the surface. We are. We've just begun to declare this message. Um, I will take another session probably next week. So if you want to tune in or um, for monthly partners, you can get the Zoom link and we can interact a little bit. We didn't do much interaction tonight, but um, in the next session, I'm going to cover what does this message mean in how and why we walk out holy, healthy lives. What does it mean to walk this out, this it is finished reality? So tonight we were just reveling in what does it mean, the finished work. And next week I want to talk about how and why we walk out holy, healthy lives if it is done. Um, which it's so, it's there's so much fun goodness and it, it, it really makes sense. Some people are like, well, I don't know if this is going to be a really meaty theology that makes sense. Um, shing, ding, ding. Well, tune in next week, boys and girls. Um, we'll have some fun. But thanks for joining tonight. That's all the time I have because... We're going to go over and have a prayer party together. We're going to worship and pray tonight um, at 10 p.m. Eastern, which is about five minutes from now. You can go over to prayerparties.org for the link. Hop on on Zoom or on YouTube. Um, I will see you guys over there. Thanks for joining. If you are blessed by this, consider going to thefirehouseprojects.com, thefirehouseprojects.com, and donating to our ministry that we can keep going. Become a monthly partner or donate. That would be a super blessing. If you can't tonight or not feel inspired to, that's fine, but it really helps us. We appreciate all you guys that are monthly partners. So thankful. Um, yeah, if you missed part of it, go back and watch. It'll be on YouTube, on our podcast, on all the podcasting platforms, and it is on Facebook. Till next time, guys. Love you all. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Firehouse Chronicles with Matt and Katie Spinks. Check out all of the events and other grace and glory resources we've been inspired to host at thefirehouseprojects.com. There's so much brewing right now. Also, Matt and Katie do ministry full-time with the support of partners like you. So if you're blessed by our ministry, would you consider becoming a monthly partner or making a one-time donation at thefirehouseprojects.com donate. The more partnership we have, the more resources and nations we get to reach with this glorious good news. So thank you so much. Cheers, deep drinks, and until next time.